and good morning. 46 degrees outside our studios here on Columbus Road. Headed up to 59, they say. That'll be welcome. But a mostly cloudy day, so not uh, real sunshiny or anything like that. It's January 17th. We hope you enjoyed a holiday yesterday, the Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We've got a little information about that to share with you as well. And uh, JJ's here. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Welcome always. And... um, you know, I you you may not have heard me talk about this in the past because we've only been together what five months or so. But um, I I spent my college my early college years in Wyoming and uh, Colorado. But Wyoming in particular was a very eye-opening experience, and I I don't want to cast a black spell or black... uh, I'm not speaking ill of Wyoming. I'm really not. But the the acceptance of racial equality uh, toward American Indians, toward people of color, uh, even toward internationals, um, was so much more evident, and um, it really troubled me. And um, well, as it should. Yes. Well, um, yesterday was MLK Day. It is a federal holiday, and um, jump in there a little bit. Yeah, um, Martin Luther King Day is observed annually on the third Monday in January. Uh, The day uh, commemorates the life and work of Dr. King, who was a Baptist minister and a prominent leader in the American Civil Rights Movement. And people are encouraged to use the day to reflect on the principles of uh, principles rather of uh, racial equality and nonviolent social change, sure. um, which was you know espoused um, obviously by uh, Dr. King. Uh, the holiday is typically observed with events such as marches and rallies and speeches by politicians and civil rights le- uh, leaders across the country. Uh, Dr. King was born on January the 15th, 1929, and he rose to the forefront of the civil rights movement in 1955. Um, That was kind of ignited by the Montgomery bus boycott uh, that followed the arrest of Rosa Parks, an African-American woman who had violated the city's racial segregation ordinances when she refused to give her seat up on a bus to a white passenger. An advocate of... uh, uh, it's easy for me to say, I'm just going to say Gandhi, Mm -hmm. an advocate of Gandhi's philosophy of using nonviolent resistance to affect social change. Uh, King promoted the use of nonviolent means to bring an end to racial segregation, Uh, and that happened in the United States. Um, In 1964, he was awarded the Nobel Prize for Peace for his efforts. Unfortunately, he was assassinated in 1968. 
efforts to create a national holiday honoring King began soon after his assassination, although legislation for a federal holiday was not passed until 1983. The first nationwide observance of the holiday occurred in 1986. Well, um, you know, it was in 1963 that Dr. King actually introduced the world to his dream of a society that focuses on character, not on complexion. And America has certainly come closer to realizing his vision However, you know, segregation, discrimination, they continue to persist. And I'd like to, I'd like to see greater improvements mm-hmm. there, certainly. Me as well. Um, last year, conversations on race have remained prevalent with high-profile police brutality trials ending in convictions for officers. Unfortunately, only 40% of adults and only 30% of black adults think the recent increased focus on racial equality has actually led to changes that have improved the lives of black people. Well, all of that, of course, makes it clear that we've got a lot of work yet to do. But as we think about future improvement, we can also recognize the steps toward racial harmony that we've already achieved. Our workplaces, our schools, our voting booths. Um, Each of those measured the gaps between black people and white people across 21 key indicators of equality and integration in each of the 50 states as well as the District of Columbia. And the data set ranges from median annual household income to standardized test scores to voter turnout. So um, the organization I use periodically, Wallet Hub, did a study and ranked the various 51, um, you know, 50 states plus the District of Columbia. Um, states with the most racial integration. Well, I lived in Hawaii for quite a while. It is, number one, in uh, just about each of the areas. Um, well, that, no, I'll be more specific. In terms of employment and wealth, it's ranked third in the nation. In terms of education, it's ranked uh, seventh. Social and civic engagement, number one and in health, seven. But the point is, it's up in the, the higher group, right? Right. Um, Alaska, uh, I, it would have been a guess of mine that it would have ranked highly, and uh, it, it does. New Mexico, Delaware, 
Arizona, Washington State, Texas, Kentucky, our neighbors just to the south, ranks eighth. Um, let's just go down. West Virginia ranks 13th. I th- Interesting. I think that's unusually high. Yeah, I, I mean, I from agree. From what I would have guessed. Yeah, I as well. I don't mean that in a in a negative way. Right. Um, but just, you know, looking at the big picture. But uh, no, in uh, Kentucky as well. Very, very cool. You know, I tease Wyoming so much. I went to college out there some. But it comes in 16th. Okay, so here's my concern. Where does Ohio come in? I was going to ask. 35th. Wow. Indiana, 26th. Um, we come in 44th in employment and wealth, 27th with education, 32nd with social and civic engagement, and 17th in health. But when you average all that stuff, we come in 35th overall in the nation. Yeah, troubling. Who's the worst? I couldn't believe this. The District of Columbia. Um, well, they're not a state, but so then that's... Wisconsin is then next to the lowest. Hmm. Iowa, Minnesota, North Dakota, Nebraska, Michigan comes in 45th. Pennsylvania, 43rd. Illinois, 42nd. Well, um, Dr. King was a great guy. And um, he was bold. And you t- it requires someone who is bold to change things that have been wrong for a long time. Well, not only he, but think about his family mm-hmm. during that time. I mean, you know, that's just, um, I mean, I guess that's just incredible faith um, in, in, in God and the mission that he was on. Um, not only to put himself at the forefront and, and, you know, in Peril's way, but also his family because, you know, unfortunately, he was very hated by a lot of people for the movement that he was doing. And he was assassinated. Yeah, ultimately assassinated. But I got a cool Dr. King story if we've got time for it this morning. Um, I I, I, um, coached high school basketball for several years, and as a result of that, um, had the opportunity to attend a lot of uh, coaches' clinics and whatnot across the state. And one that I always enjoyed was um, the Ohio High School Basketball Association's Coaches Clinic each year up in Columbus. It was over the winter, not far after the season ended each year. And so one of the gentlemen that I work with, uh, Norm Pearson, a uh, very, very well-known high school basketball coach. I think he's now number two. He's since retired, but number two all-time wins across the state. So highly respected, very good coach. And so over the years working these camps, he's got to know a lot of different people. One of those gentlemen is a guy by the name of George Raveling. Um, coach Raveling uh, was the head coach at USC for a lot of years and then after retiring coach Raveline went to work for Nike one of their brand ambassadors travels all over the world fine fine man but he was one of the guest speakers that we had up there so I had the opportunity to go out to the airport and pick him up 
bring him back to the hotel, spend some time. He actually took us to lunch and just got to pick his brain. But the connection there is Coach Ramling, and I was looking at this picture on the story of Dr. King that you, you handed me, and I don't quite see him in there. But his claim to fame is he still has the original I Have a Dream speech that was handwritten by Dr. King. And how he acquired that is he was a college student at the time. And so when Dr. King went to give that speech, they were looking for security detail. And Coach Raveling is a rather big man. And, of course, in his youth, I'm sure he was a very, very stout man, but just a superhuman being. But he tells the story just so heartfelt. But anyway, he's security detail, and you can see him in the camera, you know, just standing there behind Dr. King as he makes this incredible speech. And as the speech ends, Dr. King is waving to the crowd, and he asked him, he said, Dr. King, may I have that speech? And you see Dr. King fold the papers and hand it to him. Wow. And he still has this speech to this day. So really, really cool. I got to know him, got his card. I still text and email occasionally with him. But one thing that he did for me when my son was um, – younger um he was going to a christian school at that time but he had to do a book report and so i encouraged him to do one on dr king so not long ago sports illustrated did a really cool feature article on george raveling and being in receipt of that um speech which he has no intentions of parting with he's been offered millions that's not what he wants it's just the history and he wants to make sure it's preserved but they did a really cool story on him um and he was on the cover of sports illustrated so i reached out to him and just asked him for some items that maybe blaine could include in his book report and classy man that he is a few weeks later i receive a package from nike headquarters um to my attention and i open it up and there's a copy of the sports illustrated and you open it up with the picture of he standing behind dr king on the day of the i have a dream speech and it says blaine keep dreaming george ravley mm-hmm. and we have that obviously laminated and well, uh, sure i want to have that framed and put in the office but just an incredible guy so it's kind of a neat connection to that speech um you know by, by coach ravley well, anyway, we hope that uh, even though we're following the observation of MLK Day um, today and, and didn't do a show yesterday, we hope that um, the message, its purpose, you understood. All right, good morning. It is uh, the 17th day of January, 2023. JJ's here. I'm Dave Palmer. Um, let's see. Historical events in the year 1773 on this date. Captain James Cook becomes the first to cross the Antarctic Circle. Yeah. And um, let's see. We'll just keep going here. So, Eight, so, oh, well, so I'm just, no, I just have a question. I mean, what makes you, like, look out across the frozen tundra and say, hey, guys, <laughs> let's go to the other side i mean don't get me wrong i admire that uh, uh, i guess well, it needed to be done but no it, it didn't even that yeah. it's it's more like it's never been done yeah this is a challenge can we show that it can be done you know at least that's the way i approach it in yeah. my head yeah this guy's pretty well um um versed in history so you know i guess we're still talking about him so that makes it uh science i mean he 
Well, interesting. Very yeah. interesting. And, uh, you know, there were certainly myths about Antarctica and other places that had not been visited. And some of these um, allowed them to uh, accurize the reality. Yeah, you, you might find this little note interesting, Dave. Cook was attacked and killed in 1779 during his third exploratory voyage, uh, voyage rather, in the Pacific while attempting to kidnap the ruling chief of the island of Hawaii's, and I'm not even going to attempt that Hawaiian name, but uh, yeah, was killed in Hawaii in 1779. And again, once again, repeating what I had said earlier, having lived in Hawaii uh, almost four years, um, yeah, there's some stories about James Cook there for sure. Okay. Let's uh, move on to our next uh, historical event in the history books. It would be uh, for this date, that is, of January 17th. 1873, a group of MODOC, M-O-D-O-C, Warriors defeats the United States Army in the first battle of the stronghold. And um, they go on to use this word again, a part of the Modoc War, M-O-D-O-C. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. I've never heard this term before. Yeah, it, well, I mean, I, I assume you are, also known as the Modoc Campaign, also known as the Lava Beds War. Um, And as you mentioned, an armed conflict between the Native American Modoc people and the United States Army that occurred in northeastern California and southeastern Oregon from 1872 to 1873. So would we say this is a tribe? A Modoc uh, Modoc would be a tribe? I would say so. Um, It says the remaining 153 Modoc of the band were sent to Indian Territory, which was pre-statehood Oklahoma, where they were held prisoners of war until 1909. All right. Well, so much to learn in my life. 1912, Captain Robert Scott's expedition arrives at the South Pole one month after Roald Amundsen, A-M-U-N-D-S-E-N. So, um... I think there was kind of a race going on there, but um, Captain Robert Scott came in second. The South Pole. 1946, the United Nations Security Council holds its first meeting. Yeah. They have been busy ever since. Mm-hmm. 1991, Operation Desert Storm begins. Boy, it seems like it was yeah. not that long ago. Yeah. 91. Yeah. I remember Dave vividly when that happened mm-hmm. um, because I um, was young in my radio career, and I was actually working at WFCB in Chillicothe, Ohio at the time. And I had never seen the EBS alert system light up like that in, oh, yeah. a, in a wartime um you know so basically um i think uh, alana stoya if you remember that name or not a I very do. well respected news person was working with us and i just remember the ebs tones going off and i don't ever remember seeing that number on our ebs monitor which meant national emergency mm-hmm. which was announcing that um warplanes had attacked and uh, alana called shortly thereafter and said Get ready to go. We're going to go full uh, coverage, news coverage that day. Um, so, yeah, uh, 
that one definitely jumps out of memory. I'll, I'll never forget, at least in the radio realm. Well, 1991. All right, let's um, let's do some. Um, let me see if I got my papers just right here. Let's do some famous birthdays. Um, I don't know if we should celebrate this guy or not, but uh, <laughs> Al Capone. He was born on this date in 1899. He died in 1947. And um, I'm not sure we need too much on him. No, I think Scarface, I think the nickname speaks for itself. So He was... Uh, Kind of a bad guy. Yeah, is he still buried in Giant Stadium no, in the Meadowlands? I, I didn't. <laughs> I had not heard that. Yeah, that was a long, long rumor for forever and ever that uh, he was buried uh, in the end zone or somewhere under um, Giant Stadium in the Meadowlands when they built it. But David Beatty, um, born in on this date in eighteen seventy one, he died in nineteen thirty six. David Bay, Admiral of the Fleet. Richard Beatty, first Earl Beatty. This guy's a Royal Navy, Navy officer. Um, gosh, a lot of these battles and wars, I don't, uh, I don't know that I've heard of. Yeah, was a Royal Navy officer after serving in the, and I hope I pronounce this right, the Modest War, and then the response to the Boxer Rebellion. He commanded the first battle cruiser squadron at the Battle of. Uh, Jutland or Jutland in 1916. Um, so uh, a very accomplished naval officer. Benjamin Franklin. I've never heard of this guy. Never heard of Ben. <laughs> anyway, born on this date in 1706, died in 1790. Benjamin Franklin. Actually, he's, he was kind of cool. Yeah. Yes, very, very cool. Mohammed Ali, um, born in 1942 on this date, died in 2016. Prize fighter. Muhammad Ali. How old would he have been today? Let me mm. say he passed away. Uh, 2016. Okay. So I can't do the math at the moment. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's see now. His... He had had another name, too, right? Cassius Clay. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And, of course, nicknamed the greatest, and he didn't mind telling you he was the greatest of all time, yeah. uh, for for sure. You know, and people often ask me, and I don't know if you get asked that sometime, at least I did when I was younger, if you can meet anyone and shake anyone's hand, who would it be? And for me, I've, I think I've said over and over how much I love Andy Griffith and the Andy Griffith Show, so Andy probably would have been one. Number two would have been the greatest, Muhammad Ali. Bobby Fischer, uh, we're now talking about famous deaths. We have only two dimension, uh, both which uh, occurred on this date, but in a, another year. So Bobby Fischer was born in 1943. He died on this date in 2008. And um, let's see, this is so familiar to me. I'm scratching my head. I sh I'm supposed to know this one, but I don't. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm digging a little bit here. Um, the only thing, oh, okay, may, maybe this is the guy. Um, I was was he just looked awful young. Um, but no, he did did pass away as you mentioned on this date in 2008. An American chess grandmaster and the 11th World oh, Chess Champion. Yes. So he was a chess prodigy. And then Rutherford B. Hayes, born in 1822, died on this date in 1893. And, um, wow. Okay. The 19th U.S. president, right? Yes, indeed. The, um, um, let's, let's look at the news a little bit. Well, no, that, that, since we did Martin Luther King, let's, let's talk a little bit about, well, in a term, racial progress so as we've already mentioned in 1963 Dr. King introduced the world to his dream of a society that focuses on character not your complexion um, do, we already covered this correct do you really think now this is just I mean who are we we're just neighbors of people listening I think we've made progress I do too um, maybe not as fast as we would like um, but I, I do think we've made progress and I think sometime again we have to be careful because we've discussed this before is what sometimes the media feeds us and it almost feels like sometimes they want us to hate each other. But out there on the real world, I just, I don't know, you know, I guess because I'm not looking for it, I don't see it as much. But, you know, as I mentioned before, I travel all over the country to a lot of these football camps. And, you know, my son meets so many different people and he's friends with so many different people and so many different races that I guess I don't I know that the, the kind of stuff just never crosses my mind and I've never ran in it into it from another race you know I just feel like you know you just treat people the way they want to be treated with respect and, and give them love they give you love back um, and I know yes are there some pockets out there sure um, but I do think we're making progress again there's still work to be done the dream is not complete yet but I do feel like we, we are making progress. And, I, and again, it all starts with the way and how you teach your kids. Um, I was so... This is a true story. I'm sorry, folks. Sheridan, Wyoming is where I first went to college. It's about 30 miles south of the Montana border. It would be in really weird terms, a cowboy town. But they have a small college there, Sheridan College. My dad had some close friends there, and he thought it'd be an adventure. And it was. Not necessarily a great one. But... Um, walking down their main street was very similar to Court Street 
here in Athens. Many shops, eating establishments, bars, shops, stores. Um, and I would observe cowboys. And we'd have some of our ball players from the East Coast that were on the team from New Jersey or wherever who were of color walking down the sidewalk in a group and I hate to use the term cowboys but I don't know what else to say would spit on them. And what time period was this, Dave? 1968. And so, of course, it wasn't long before they decided they weren't going to walk down the main drag. But the same thing was true of American Indians who lived there. And it wasn't quite as prevalent as it was for the African-American people, but it was still happening. It was so upsetting to me. And my dad had met some of the leaders of that city. He worked in a each year with the All-American Indian Days, which was a annual celebration there, but it was recognized nationwide. Um, the son of the people he particularly knew later was governor of the state. I just don't understand how... I could never bring myself, I don't care, I really don't care how badly I don't like someone, but it wouldn't be because of color, it would be because of their nature or actions. I could never spit on someone or harass them verbally. I might get into a conversation with this sometimes saying, why do you believe the way you do? But it would be handled properly, whatever properly is. Yeah, you know, I think, Dave, it does start with me and you, though. I mean, obviously, different time, different air. I don't want to say that that was acceptable, but that was right in the heart of that movement. Um, and there, you know, was a lot of, of racial tension, a lot of things going on. But I, I think it starts now with you and I, one person. When you hear someone use a derogatory term, it's up to us to stand up and say, hey, shut up. That's not acceptable. You got to step forward. Whether it's Uncle Joe at Christmas or, or, or your, your father or, you know, whoever, 
you've got to take a stand because if you don't, it doesn't go away. You have to root it out yourself, and you have to have the guts to do that. And sometimes that's not easy in a particular social situation, but it's the only way this gets fixed is having the nerve and the guts to stand up and say, no more. I don't want to hear it. I'm not listening to it. It's not right. It's not acceptable. Shut it. And then remove yourself from the situation. But I think if you embarrass enough people in front of enough people, after a while they'll get the hint and hopefully keep their mouths shut so this kind of stuff doesn't happen. Years ago when I was running, uh, well, working at WCOL in Columbus, I was still not old enough to drive. So I would take the city bus from um, basically that I can't even remember the bus station near Graceland Shopping Center, but whatever it was, my parents would get me down to there. I'd get on the bus and go down to Broad Street and then walk two blocks to the station. Um, stuff I observed on the bus was disturbing. It didn't happen every day. It didn't happen even frequently. But the occasional situation was disturbing. Oh, well. Let's, um, let's move on. In the news today, we have uh, a story about an Italian mobster who was arrested. Mafia boss arrested. Italian authorities announced yesterday the capture of Mafia leader Matteo Messina Denaro. Forgive any mispronunciation. They go on to say who was one of the most wanted criminal, criminals in the country, and we're talking about Italy. He had been evading arrest since 1993 and was apprehended in the city of Palermo while allegedly receiving medical treatment for cancer. Denaro is believed to be the head of the notorious Sicilian Costa Nostra that's, uh, Mafia. The 60-year-old was previously tried and sentenced in absentia to life imprisonment back in 2002 for his involvement in multiple terrorist attacks and murders that had occurred in 1992 and 93, including the killing of two anti-mafia prosecutors. He received another life sentence in 2012 for his role in the torture and murder of the 12-year-old son of a former mafia informant. Overall, he is believed to be responsible for the deaths of more than 50 people. Not a real nice guy. No. No. You kill the son of somebody that you think has betrayed you? That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, heartless. Um, Elon Musk is facing another trial. 
Jury selection begins today in a securities fraud trial against Elon Musk. Over misleading tweets he sent back in 2018, floating the possibility of taking Tesla private at $420 per share. A class action lawsuit argues Musk's tweets of securing funding were false and fueled swings in the company's share price, costing investors billions of dollars. The deal which would have been valued at $72 billion, never materialized. Musk, who of course is the chief executive at Tesla, was forced to pay $40 million settlement with the Securities Exchange Commission. Musk, Musk has said he agreed to settle under duress a U.S. district judge has already decided Musk, Musk acted recklessly and his tweets weren't true. The trial, which is in San Francisco, hinges on the jury's interpretation of the motives behind Musk's tweets and whether they were material to investors. Well, the last part of this is Musk is expected to take the stand as early as this week. It's about two months after appearing in court for a separate trial in Delaware over his pay package at Tesla. Tesla's stock landed at around $122 per share at market close yesterday. Might add they're also slashing prices of those Teslas, too, um, to make them more appealing to the general consumer. So stock dropping, and so are the prices on those automobiles. Uh, lightning. Do you, what do you think about Lightning? I don't like it at all, and I know where you're going with this. This is a cool story. Um, it, it, um, I think it's beautiful if you're driving you know, on a rainy night. But it's just a, just a very, very dangerous thing. Um, I, if I hear a rumble of thunder on the golf course, I'm out of there. I am not playing another hole. I, I will wait. I just, yeah, lightning scares me to death. Well, scientists, um, basically, they're trying to figure out how they might be able to steer lightning. Like... Make it happen in one place and not another, I guess. Let's see what they have to say. Researchers successfully diverted lightning using a high-powered laser in the first demonstration of the technique outside a laboratory. The scientists believe the technology could eventually help control lightning strikes around airports and launch pads while potentially reducing the thousands of fatalities and three billion dollars in damages each year resulting from that phenomena. Well traditional metal lightning rods, we had them on my home growing up, only cover an area as wide as the rod is tall, limiting their application on large sites. 
To test covering a wider area, the researchers created a virtual lightning rod using a laser pulsing 1,000 times per second near a 40, I'm sorry, 400-foot tower in Switzerland. Now, we're in the radio business. We have towers. And um, I've got one out here that's 340 feet tall. I've got another one that's uh, up on a very high location, but it's only 100 foot tall. Um, and when lightning strikes, it hurts our equipment often. Okay, let's go on. Um, during storms in the summer of 2021, the laser's rapid beams heated a path of charged air near the tower, ultimately steering four lightning strikes through the ionized channel over a period of six hours. Observers believe the car-sized laser will require more research before it is commercially available. But when you think of power outages and things like that, um, you know, the, the, the ones they're testing are large in size. But could a smaller version, once it's been thoroughly tested, um, be promoted and, and help um, down, down um, make less yeah. frequent power outages and things like that. Certainly. I mean, think of it just in the, the broader scope of, of things. Um, you know, you mentioned the damage that it, that it causes to some of our equipment, damage that it, you know, causes to household appliances when you have a light, lightning strike. Been through that, you know, so... Yeah, maybe maybe this is this the start of something really really good, and hopefully maybe it would affect uh, insurance rates somewhere down the road. You know, if they're able to divert lightning from your dwelling, then obviously that uh, you know would increase the likelihood of, of that type of claim, or uh, or shouldn't say increase, but make it less likely for that to happen. Um, I think I think that's kind of. Uh, Kind of a neat story there. I, yeah. I heard that earlier this morning, and my ears kind of perked up, and I'm thinking every radio engineering uh, engineer in the United States also perked up, uh, you know, to something like that. So it's, I would say it's like anything else. It's a probably big and clunky at the point, but, you know, so were cell phones. Um, those things were bag phones that, that we used way back when. They were huge, you know, now. They're basically your computer in the palm of your hand. So um, be interested to follow this over the next couple of the years to see if this gets any traction and uh, where it goes. Are you following, um, now that you're engaged with us over here a great deal, have you been following Ohio, Uni Ohio University Athletics? Absolutely. And I was doing that before um, I made my way back to, to Athens. I've just always had a soft spot in my heart for the Bobcats. Well, what did you think of the game the other day? You know, that was a tough one. You know, Kent State uh, comes to the convo and, and, and escapes. Um, but um, hopefully we'll get back on track tonight. Yeah, five-point loss at home, 70-65 to 65 as the Bobcats fall to 9-7. But Kent State... 
pretty good team. They're thirteen and th- uh, thirteen and three on the season, but it sure would have been nice to defend the home court, especially coming after that big win over uh, Ball State earlier in the week. Well, tonight we are up in Toledo, and of course um, our stations will be carrying that, and uh, we're proud to be the flagship for the Bobcats. Yep, we'll uh, we'll hit the air um, tonight around 6.30, I believe, Dave, with the pregame show over on Power 105, and then uh, tip off tonight at 7 o'clock with the voice of the Bobcats, Russ Eisenstein. Again, yeah, very proud to be the flagship station of the Bobcats. I hate to put you on the spot, but do you have a favorite sport? I grew up, loved basketball dearly, um, and... I would say probably basketball, but since my son, the basketball player that I always wanted, turned out to be the football player. (laughs) And so I've just learned to fall in love with football, but I think probably as I grow older and maybe he doesn't participate in football, it's going to be basketball. I I just, uh, I love basketball. Um, I'm going to tell some stories on myself here. Obviously, I like the Bobcats. Um, growing up, attended tons of Ohio University Bobcats games, like the Buckeyes. And I'm telling on myself, I'm a former season ticket holder for the Kentucky Wildcats. Um, so spent uh, a lot of time and years down in Lexington. So I like Kentucky basketball as well. Don't let the air out of my tires today, Athens. Um. We'll get someone from Nelsonville to do it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding of course um yeah Lex, uh, kentucky has always been an important part of my life too because of well namely uh, berea and i think we've talked yeah. about that a yeah. little bit um but lexington and louisville they're they're really quite special yeah um do you have another fa- favorite team nationally? Um, Pro or college? Well, Burrow. obviously the Bengals with Joe Burrow. And by the way, Porterhouse, a.k.a. Rodney Tomlin, who he may sit in a couple of days this week, just depending on my schedule, he went up to the Plains and ate at Gigi's. Yeah. Um, and so he didn't really know the Joe Burrow connection, so he, he really enjoyed it up there. So I'd say the Bengals in football, um, I, I follow them pretty closely. Um, and, of course, the Reds. Joe's... Um, parents are friends and um, of course they've been traveling to many events recently to watch their son play but I'm amazed how many times I'll be at some local eatery and turn around and they're sitting right behind me yep and uh, it's so nice to see them and their friends Um, and Joe is a great um, what would you call it? Um, I think he's an awesome ambassador for Athens that, and Athens that's County. That's the perfect word, yes. ambassador, for our region. And um, and I really think there are many people, such as he, who make this place special. Yes, totally agree. 
Well, I'm excited, Dave, because we got a, got a big night in sports across the Total Media platforms. As I mentioned, we got the Bobcats over on Power 105 as they take on Toledo tonight. And we'll have Athens High School basketball right here on 970 WATH. Um, Carl Blaylock and his crew. Um, or, uh, no, I take that back. It won't be Carl. I think it's Cedric tonight that will have the call for the Bulldogs um, as they travel to take on Marietta. And, again, you can hear that game on WATH. And then, real quickly, something new tonight, Carl Blaylock and Troy Bolt. We'll be covering Vinton County at Federal Hawking. That's on another one of our total media stations, 98.7 WYRO-FM. You can download the app in the App Store. Just uh, search Total Media Radio. And if you can't get it on your FM dial, you can listen to the stream tonight. So very cool. Dave, got to run. Thank you for having me. Have a great day, my friend. You bet. And uh, folks, be careful out there, won't you? We think a lot of you, and we want you to stay safe and sound. In our 73rd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-M.